to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. As we wrap up, Daniel, here's my last teaching for the night. If you have your journals and stuff, get ready. Here we go. We're wrapping up, Daniel, and I felt that this last message tonight should focus on the practice and the principle that really was the hallmark of Daniel's life. His book, his diary here, chronicles the time when he was 15 years old until he was about 85 before he went home to be with Jesus. So about 70 years there. And all this time, Daniel experiences promotion. He experiences favor. He experiences supernatural miracles. He's faced with crisis, and he's able to overcome those crises. And so we've studied all summer long how he was able to live a life that was unshaken. The, the one thing, the one activity, the one principle and practice that he did is something that we can do ourselves and we should be doing. This practice is proven to reduce stress. How many could use a little stress reduction, right? Right? I, I could use a little stress. They say exercise more. They say eat better, drink less coffee, drink less alcohol, whatever. Reduce stress. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you something here that's the best stress, stress redu reducer. It's been proven secularly and sacredly that this activity increases mental health, emotional health, and physical health. This activity, this practice, is an activity that Daniel did three times a day. And I believe this is why he experienced the kind of promotion, the kind of success, the kind of health that he had. He did this activity three times a day. Three times a day, every single day. And he didn't stop when people said, if you don't stop, you're going to be killed. He didn't stop. He was unshaken. What's this activity? Well, for those of you who've been with us all summer, you know what that activity was. We read about it last week in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Take a look at this verse. Here it is. It says, when Daniel learned that a law had been written, it was a law that no one could pray to anyone beside the king. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. He knelt down. As usual, everybody say as usual. As usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he always had done. Doing what? What does it say? Giving thanks to his God. So, so check this out. We're going to get into this, but one of the things that I noted in my notes <laughs> He was just told this law, this law said that if anyone prays to anyone besides the king, then that person should be put to death, thrown into a den of lions. We talked about that last week. Daniel immediately goes home and prays. And it says that as he always done, he gave thanks to God. He gave thanks to God. His prayer wasn't a crazy prayer. He was going to pray through the crisis. That's what he did. He says, I know how to do this. I'm going to pray through the crisis. And so the title of tonight's message is How to Pray Through a Crisis. Because we all face crises. You may be in a crisis right now, an emotional, a physical, a, a marriage, relational crisis. You want to get through this. Well, I'm going to show you how to get through it tonight and how to pray through a crisis. 
That's what we need to do. This guy's first response, this crazy crisis that he's, is, he's experiencing, he, he doesn't just go crazy. He doesn't throw some kind of prayer up like we often do. He gets down and he gives thanks. Often when we face crises, it's these kind of prayers that we pray. We pray the panic prayer, right? You know what prayer that is. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And we think that's a prayer because I said, oh my God. Oh, what am I going to do? That's the panic prayer. Then there's the guilt prayer, right? Y'all know this prayer, right? Hey God, me again. Yeah, I blew it. Yeah, that guilt prayer right here. I am, I blew it again. There you go. I know you're tired of listening to me. And then there's that, you know, the third prayer, the deal prayer, right? Y'all know that kind of prayer. God, if you get me out of this, I'll go to church every Saturday night. I'll be a regular tither. I'll stop kicking the dog when I get home. I'll be nice to the kids. Yeah, I mean, those are the deal prayers. That's the typical kind of prayer that we pray when we get into crises. But Daniel demonstrates how to pray through a crisis. And it started with giving thanks, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. Daniel models how to pray in a way that gets results. See, these kinds of prayers, they don't get results. And if you've tried this, you realize those kind of prayers don't get results. And I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why as we look at Daniel. Now, prayer, it, prayer is seen throughout the Bible. Jesus taught on prayer. Most, the best example of prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11 when the disciples wanted to know, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus showed them how to pray. Throughout Scripture, the Apostle Paul teaches us and shows us how to pray. Great men and women of faith throughout Scripture model to us how, we, how to pray. But today what I want to do is I want to focus on Daniel's prayer because there were five points of prayer that Daniel has that we should incorporate into our prayers to help us get through these times of crisis. And I want to focus on these five points of prayer that you can do right now that will result in seeing God's hand move in your life. It's found in the book of Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Now, this is the same period of time as Daniel chapter 6. But this is where we see Daniel. He's about 85 years old. He's coming to God, and he's praying. And as we look over his prayer, we're going to see five points of prayer for his regular activity. The first thing he does. If you want to know how to pray through a crisis, the first thing he does, listens. He listens first. Everybody say, listen first. He listens first. He, lets, he says, I'm going to let God speak to me before I speak to him. I'm going to let God speak to me before I speak to him. How many of you guys have ever been around people or been in a conversation where the other person just talks nonstop? Yeah, you yeah, all know what I'm talking about. The person who likes to hear themselves talk. And they just keep talking. And they just keep talking. And you try to get a word in, but they don't even pause. They don't even breathe. They just keep on talking. And when you finally do get a chance to say something, you can see it in their eyes. They're just waiting for you to be done so they can keep on talking. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those people don't listen real well. They don't listen real well. 
They're too busy wanting to share their stuff. I think we do that with God sometimes. I think we do that with God. We, we get into a crisis moment and we just start going, blah, 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 God, 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 God. And we start talking without listening first. If we really want to pray through a crisis, I believe the, the first thing we do is we should listen. How do we listen? How do we listen? Because of course, some of you are going, well, how do we listen to God? How do I hear from God? You know how you begin to listen to God? By getting right into here. That's why we started while I was talking about the Bible. We start here in his word. I did a series a few months back. Some of you might remember. It was called Frequency, How to Hear from God. If, if you don't remember, go back into the chronicles of our, of our, our podcast and go listen to it. Because if you want to learn how to hear, you got to learn how to get into here. Right? Isn't that right? If you want to learn how to hear, you got to get into here because God has shown his character, his heart, and he has spoken over the centuries. And when you get into here regularly, you begin to hear God. You begin to hear God. And the reason we read this, the reason we get into it every single day, it's because God will begin to prepare you ahead of time for the storm that's about to come. Or he'll encourage you through the storm. Much in the same way as, as Alex encouraged me a couple of weeks ago with God's word, it built me up and it equipped me for the days ahead through his word. But I got to be listening first. Take a look at what Daniel did. Let's read Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. It says this, It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of that guy, can't pronounce his name, who became, uh, you, somebody want to try that? Ahasuerus? All right, bless you too. The son of this guy who became king of the Babylonians. Verse two. During the first year of his reign, reign, I, Daniel, here we go, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and I sprinkled myself with ashes. The first thing that Daniel does, he begins to realize he's in a crisis. He's 85 years old. They've been exiled for 70 years. And it doesn't seem that things are changing it appears that things are only getting worse. And he realizes, man, we're in a crisis. I want to go home to Jerusalem before I go home to heaven. And so he begins to pray, but he starts first by listening and he digs into the word of God and he sees that Jeremiah says that it's going to happen for 70 years. The first thing Daniel does is spend time in God's word and realizes there's a crisis. And he begins this crisis by listening first. Listen, as we spend time in God's word, he's going to show us things in our lives that we need to address and we need to deal with. We need to take care of. Sometimes that's why people don't get into the Bible because they're afraid of what God might say. Avoidance is not the best solution. It doesn't make the problem go away. But, he shows us these things that need to address in our life. At the same time, <laughs> he, 
He shows us promises that fill us with hope. You see, as as Daniel was reading the words of Jeremiah, he sees that the people were going to lay desolate for 70 years. But then in Jeremiah 29, 11, the hope begins to bubble up. I don't have it up here on Scripture, but most of you know Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for future and a hope. So not only is Daniel realizing there's a crisis, but he's filled with hope first. That's why he's able to give thanks to God. As you're approaching problems in life, where do you go first? If you're not in his word, then you're missing out on hearing from the creator of the universe. The one who knit you together and formed you in your mother's womb. Who fearfully and wonderfully made you who knows you the best and has these incredible plans for you. But if you're not spending time with him in his word, you're missing out. You're going at life's challenges and problems unequipped. Or you're equipped with the same kind of tools that everybody else has. And you're going to get the same kind of results that everybody else gets. I want better results. I want the kind of results that come from the God of the universe. As we spend time in his word every day, we are more aware we're more prepared, and, and, to, and we're more able to make it through the crisis and the challenges. Look at what Jesus said. Take a look. I mean, let's go straight to him, right? Thank you, Daniel, but let's look what Jesus says. John chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus says this. But let's all read this together. This will be good. Ready? Begin. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for you want, and it will be granted. Ooh. That's, that's, these are the words of Jesus. This isn't some, some popular motivational speaker who says, this is how you can get rich quick. These are the words of Jesus. And he gives us two conditions and a blessing. Two conditions and a blessing. He says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask what? You can ask what? You can ask anything in my name, and it will be done. Who? Anything. Anything. First condition. If you remain in me. If I'm praying, and I'm not getting answers, the first thing to do that I need to do is I need to check if I'm meeting these two conditions. If I'm praying and I'm not getting the answers, are these two conditions being met? Am I staying connected to God? Am I in fellowship with God? And I don't have time to get into this right now. This is a whole other teaching, but there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. When I say yes to Jesus, I come into a relationship with God. But see, fellowship is that we're in communion together. We're talking together. We're spending time. I can be in relationship with somebody and not be in fellowship with them. My brother-in-law, Dennis. I love my brother-in-law, Dennis. We are in relationship together. But because of his work schedule and my work schedule, we don't get to hang out very often. We're not in fellowship. I don't know what's going on in his life. He doesn't know what's going on in my life a lot of the time. We reconnect at family gatherings, at family events, and we try to catch up. We're in relationship. Our relationship is fine, but our fellowship is not there. It makes me sad at times. 
We can be in relationship with God, but not be in fellowship with him. Things can cause us to have a distance. Jesus says, if you are in me and my word is in you, you can ask anything and it will be done. Anything. Anything. And the second thing he says, if my words are in you, this book is in your mind, it's in your heart. And when it is, you can ask anything. That's powerful. Before I even move on to point number two, the, the, the second thing, I just want to ask you, is there something that you want? Is there something that you need? You got to come, you got to ask God and get these two conditions straight and begin to ask God. The first step is connect with Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. I want to be in relationship and fellowship with you and get his word into you. Now, I know some of you are saying, oh, Pastor Kelly, you're talking like Jesus is some sort of genie that you rub a bottle and out he comes and he's going to grant you three wishes. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying what Jesus said. And if we're in him, connected to him, and his word is in us, we will see things happening in our lives that we could not accomplish on our own. Prayers will be powerful. Actually, this first point is so important because as you come to Jesus, here, here's the interesting thing. See, it's not about a genie. It's about this. When you come to Jesus and you're in fellowship with him and his word is in you, you know what it does? It transforms your heart. And you begin to ask things out of a right heart. See, the things that you begin to ask are no longer selfish, but they're, they're connected to what Jesus is doing. Right? See how it works? That's why Jesus says, first you got to be connected to me. Abide in me and my words in you. Then... Ask anything and it will be done. Secondly, second prayer point that Daniel showed was this. Focus. Everybody say focus. Focus is important. How many of you guys know focus is, is key? I was with a new friend this week. and We were hanging out and we were driving and he was talking about how important focus is. And I could see that he and I have a very similar way of thinking. We're both dreamers. We're both visionaries. We could be thinking about all these different things and starting all these different projects. But he was reminding me that focus is, is critical. When we look at Daniel, it was about focus. He directed his attention to God. Let me read this. Daniel chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. Take a look. Here's what it says. It says, Daniel learned... From reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah, the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. And then verse 3, let's all say it together. So I turned to the Lord God. So he turned. The first thing he did there was he turns his attention to the Lord. Actually, we read back before that Daniel would literally open up his windows. Remember in verse 10 of chapter 6, he would open up his windows. And where would he turn? Toward Jerusalem. Now, there wasn't something super spiritual. Well, it was spiritual, but it wasn't mystical or magical to face Jerusalem. What Daniel was actually doing was he was positioning himself so that he could focus attention on God. And Jerusalem was the city of God here on earth. And so he's going to find a way. I'm going to physically 
focus my attention on God. You know, 55% of communication is body language. How many of you guys know that? Any communication people, right? Small amount is verbal. A larger amount is tone and attitude. I think the numbers are like 5%, 35%, something like that. And then 55% is body language. Isn't that interesting? Daniel probably didn't know these stats back then. Maybe he did. He was a wise man. But he purposely turns to God. He physically gets into a position so that he can focus. So that he can focus. Listen, we have a modern epidemic that has never been in the history of time. We are more distracted and more saturated with information than ever before in the history of mankind. How many of you would probably agree that focus is hard? It was probably a little easier then. It's hard today, which makes it that much more important to find a way to direct your attention on God. That's why I felt challenged to challenge you guys tonight. Coming here on Saturday nights, you know what you're doing? You're saying, God, I'm posturing myself. I'm positioning myself to hear from you. There's so many other things you could be doing tonight. We live in Southern California. There's hundreds of things you could be doing tonight. But you're saying, I'm gonna, I want to focus on God. I want to receive from Him. Last week, my wife and I were having dinner, and um, we were sitting next to a couple. Uh, my, my wife and I are sitting across from each other like this, and there's another couple right here to the right. And we're very close. We were in a restaurant. We were very close to each other. And Leah and I are talking and, and having our regular meal. And I, I could see the, the wife or the girlfriend in my peripheral right here. And she's very animated with her talking and a little loud. I could kind of hear what she was saying. And, you know, she's talking, talking, talking. And I kind of turned my head a little bit, and I kind of look at the husband, you know, this way. He's, he's like this. And she's talking, she's going, and he's just doing this. And I kind of look a couple of times, and at one point I kind of lean back because I want to see, maybe he has, like, has an important email. Maybe there's an important text. I look over, he's playing some sort of game, Candy, Candy Graham or Candyland or Candyman or whatever the candy thing is. He's playing some game. And I can see her, she's getting louder and louder as she's talking, trying to get him to make a connection with her, to pay attention. Give me your attention. I don't know how long that relationship's going to last, but I would estimate not much longer. I don't know if they're married or not married, but he did not want to be in that conversation. It was obvious because he was not giving her the attention. I work hard, and it takes energy to give people attention, doesn't it? I do. I actually taught our girls, my wife and I would teach our girls when they were young, hey, you're going to meet some people. My girls will tell you, make eye contact and be ready to respond. Don't just, add, don't just look down and go, yeah, no, I don't know. We don't want the yeah, no, or I don't know answers. Make eye contact, engage, ask them questions, give them your attention. You know why? Because when you give someone your attention, you know what it says? It says, I care about you. I value you. You matter. And what you say matters to me. It's one of the easiest ways to say I love you is by giving attention, by putting this down, and making eye contact, 
There was a restaurant in San Francisco when my wife and I were recently there, and we walked into this restaurant, and there was a cell phone locker. And they didn't force anybody, but what they would say was, if you want to have the best experience at our, rela- at our restaurant, you can lock your phone right in here and take the key with you to your, your table. I was impressed with that. And it was full of phones. Full of phones. My wife and I, we lock our phone in there. It was really cool. It's really cool. Because they're talking about attention. It says, I care. So how do we do that today with God? How do we give him our attention? How do you give God your attention? Because it can be hard. One of the things we, we shouldn't do is just throw up these haphazard prayers. All right, God, you know, bless you. God's neat, let's eat. There we go, boom. That's not really the kind of prayers that get us through the crisis. What I do is I try to take time to be engaged with God. I look for a way. Oh my goodness, the time, the time. I wanna, I wanna keep going, guys. We're gonna be a little bit later tonight. I hope you're okay with this because this is really good, but I wanna, I wanna hit on these things. I take time to put away my phone. I lift up my head. I open my eyes. You know, the Bible never talks about having to close your eyes. One of the reasons why we close our eyes is to try to eliminate distractions, or maybe you're just tired and you want to take a nap. I don't know what it is. I can't really pray with my eyes closed when I'm alone because I will go to sleep. So I usually, when I'm alone, I do not pray with my eyes closed. And then there's some settings when I go to downtown LA and pray with people, I don't close my eyes either. <laughs> For safety reasons. All right. But you got to get to a place where you can focus your attention. One of my best places to go is into my car. You know, I'll go, sometimes I'll leave and I'll say to Lisa, hey, I'm going out for whatever. And I'll go sit in my car in the parking structure over here. I'll close the doors, roll up the windows. Thankfully, I'm not sitting in the sun and baking. But I'll just start singing to God and I'll just start talking to him because I'm undistracted. And I can be loud and I can, I can open up my heart and not worry about people hearing or thinking I'm some crazy man. I get into those places. It's all about focus. It's all about focus. And we focus on God in prayer. Guess what? You're going to be rewarded when you focus. Take a look at these three scriptures that are promises that when you focus, there's going to be a reward. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 says, God says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. See, seeking is focus. Seeking is focus. Jeremiah 29, 13, right after the promises from, from God, he says, you will find me when you what? Seek me with all your heart. That's a promise. If you focus, you'll find me. And then lastly, Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, God rewards those who earnestly what? Seek him. Listen, seeking is focusing. Focusing is seeking. So the question is, what do you seek after? What do you go after first? God says, when you seek me first, your needs, your prayers will be met. Okay, number three. And I'm going to go quickly because of the sake of time tonight. Number three is be real and sincere. Be real and sincere. Do we have that slide? There it is. Be real and sincere. Let God know. I'm just going to let God know I'm serious. That's what Daniel did. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 says, So I turned to the Lord God. I pleaded with him. Everybody say pleaded. pleaded. I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Do you see what he did there? He pleaded. He fasted. 
He wore a rough burlap and ash. He sat in the ash to get through. A, this was a crisis. This was serious. And so he needed to get into a place where he was serious. He pleaded with God. This is more than just a casual request. It's filled with emotion. And last week I talked about how feelings can be fickle. But do you know something? You can't be emotionless because we are emotional beings. And God says, come to me. Open up your heart. Daniel says, I'm pleading. The Hebrew word there is bakwash. And bakwash means filled with emotion. It's an emotional request. It's serious seeking. Searching with all of his heart. Searching and pleading. He says, food doesn't matter, so I'm going to fast. This issue is more important than food. This issue is more important than comfort. So I'm going to purposely position myself and I'm not going to be comfortable because I'm serious about this, God. It's not that he's trying to earn something from God. He's demonstrating that this is serious. I'm serious about this. I don't have time to get into the power and the purpose of fasting. That'll be another teaching down the road. But there are times Jesus says there's even issues that will not take place, that will not be resolved without fasting and denying flesh. In the message paraphrase, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 says, I poured out my heart to God, bearing my soul. Have you ever done that? Have you just borne your soul to God? Have you been so vulnerable that you say, God, I, I, I got to have your help for this business or it won't happen. God, I, I got to have your help with this marriage or it's going to fail. God, I'm being authentic. I'm bearing my soul. I'm being real. Have you ever been there? You know, listen, I have found, I have found in Scripture, as I read over and over and over again, God doesn't respond to prideful complaining. God responds to humility and brokenness all throughout Scripture. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but He gives hope to the humble. When we, he hears us when we cry out. Look at the promise. Look at this promise from Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to those who are brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be timid. Come to God when you're in a crisis and pour out your heart. Because look at this. When he is near, he will hear. When he's near, he will hear. And he's near to those who are brokenhearted, who are crushed in spirit. He hears because he's near. Now, these first three steps are all before Daniel even says a word. It's the posture of his heart. It's the attitude. Then comes number four. I got number four and number five. You need to have these notes. Take a look. Number four is so important. We talked about this earlier. Be thankful. Everybody say, be thankful. Mm-hmm. Because gratitude demonstrates your faith. Gratitude demonstrates your faith. And it builds faith. Daniel came and he was thankful. Over and over and over again, we're told to come to God with a heart of thanksgiving. Not the holiday in November, but we're supposed to come to God with a heart of thanksgiving. Gratitude. Look at how Daniel starts speaking in verse 4. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God, and here's what I confessed. 
Okay, no, now you might stop and go, oh, he's going to talk about sin. No, he doesn't start with sin. He starts this way. He says, oh, Lord, you are great and an awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and you keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. He starts with a heart of thankfulness. God, I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you're faithful. See, he starts with thanksgiving. Remember back in chapter 6, verse 10, it says that he went and he opened up those windows. He knelt down and he gave thanks. He starts with thankfulness. He comes to God serious and sincere, fasting, but with a heart of thankfulness. Because thankfulness demonstrates the faith and it, just, it adjusts our perspective on the problem. Rather than woe is me, blessed is me. See, that's what it does. It starts by saying, well, hold on. First and foremost, Lord, I need to, I need to adjust my attitude and go, no, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Before we even get into the problem, I want to acknowledge that I'm blessed. And it raises our confidence and our faith. I'm going to give you an exercise this week, okay? I'm going to give you an exercise. Uh, turn to the person next to you across from me. Give him a high five real quick. Give him a high five. This little exercise called high five. I used to do this with my kids when I was a youth pastor, and now I'm going to do it with you as a, as a senior pastor, okay? High five. Hold up five fingers. Here's what you're going to do. There's five days, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Five days. I want you every day this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in the morning, before you start to worry, you can put your hand down, before you start to worry, before you start to ask anybody for anything, before you make the coffee, well, after you go pee, but before anything else, okay? I'll let you do that. Maybe while you're peeing, okay? Can I say peeing? We all pee in the morning. We know that. We all, that's a natural thing, okay? I want you to do this. I want you to thank God for five things for five days. Before you do anything else, thank you, God, that I can pee. Whatever. Maybe you need to thank God for that. Begin to thank God for those five things before you start anything else. And let me tell you something. You do that, your prayers are going to be more powerful and your day is going to be better. I promise you. I promise you. And you know what you're going to have? You're going to have more peace because you started the way the Bible teaches us with thanksgiving in our hearts. Take a look. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Then I'm going to give you the fifth point right here. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven say this. Be anxious for nothing. For what? Nothing. Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that means requests, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Okay, number five. And uh, let's get uh, Franny or Josh on the keys real quick. Number five. Everybody say confession. 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 Now's the time to take a picture of that screen if you want. See, some of you gotten really smart. You go, I don't even need to take notes. I just wait till the last slide and then I take a picture. That's good. After giving God thanks for his blessings and his provision, Daniel says this in the very next verse, chapter five. Chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, verse five, chapter nine. He says, we have sinned, God. See, he starts with thanksgiving. This is serious. He postures himself. He's already listened. And now he says, but we have sinned, God. 
We've done wrong. We've rebelled against you. We've scorned your commands and your regulations. We've refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. See, Daniel immediately begins to acknowledge it's our fault. It's our fault we're here. See, you're, you're faithful. You're loving. But I'm in this position because of us. He acknowledges that together as a people, they had blown it. And how does God respond when I humbly admit that I blew it? Does he punish? No. No. See, when God hears you humbly, being humble, he responds not with punishment, but with forgiveness and mercy and grace and blessing. Because the Bible says that God is long-suffering. He is patient, way more patient than you or I. He's patient with you. And when we genuinely come with a heart of repentance, when we genuinely say, God, I blew this. I'm in this crisis because. God says, let's deal with that. It's not like I come to God and God says, yeah, you blew it. I'm going to crush you like a bug. Actually, it's pride that crushes us and keeps us from receiving the blessing of God. And here's how God responds to our confession. Take a look here. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is faithful, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not, not destroy us, to cleanse us. See, it's not punishment you're hearing. It's refreshing. God wants you free. Cleaned up from the stinking shame and guilt that you've been carrying. Going through a crisis and carrying this guilt and condemnation. And God's saying, I want to set you free. And if it's results of sin, let's get it dealt with. You know what, what sin is like? It's like carrying around a backpack full of boulders. And you're trying to get through life. And God says, come on, just confess it to me. I want to get that off of you so you can run and be who I created you to be so we can get through this crisis and come out on the other side better, stronger, more able to handle life. When you confess those sins, he takes that off of you. I want to close with this last promise from God. And it's a promise for us personally and a promise for us as a nation and as a people called humanity. And it says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, you see, and pray and seek my face and do what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You see, too often we throw up these crisis prayers, these guilt prayers, these deal prayers, these oh my gosh prayers. And God's saying simply, listen first. Focus, turn, 
to me. Be real. Be thankful. And deal with the stuff. And I'll hear from heaven. And I'll heal your land. I'll heal your land. You may not be facing a crisis right now, but someday you will. Someday you will. And you'll want to be able to pray a prayer. And you want to pray in a way. And you want to be able to receive what you need and the results you desperately desire. These are the kind of prayers where we see God's hand working. You may be facing a crisis right now, and I want to invite you and begin to just do this kind of prayer right now, right where you're at as we close up our time. I went a little longer than normal, but I felt like this was so desperately important. So many people know, want to say, I, I need to know how to pray. I want prayers that get results. Well, Daniel experienced results. We can pray like him. Let's do that right now. Father God, we've heard from you tonight. We opened up, we started tonight by listening to you. We've heard you speak, oh Lord God. Thank you for your word that gives us this. And we thank you, Lord, that we are able to come into this place and focus our attention on you. Which means now I'm hearing. Now I'm hearing. And I want you to right now be real with God. Whatever you're going through, whatever crisis you're facing, come on, speak to him right now. Let him know how serious you are about this. Maybe it's for a family member. Maybe it's for a job. A relationship. Anxiety, depression, whatever it is. Come on, let him know. He loves you. He says, bring all these needs and cares to me. Now begin to give him thanks, would you? Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Come on. Thank you, Lord, that you love me, that you're faithful. You're faithful. You're merciful. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I don't get what I deserve. Thank you for your grace that gives me more than I deserve, that you are far able to do beyond what I can think or imagine. Thank you, O oh Lord God, that you have a purpose for my life, that you have plans for my life, and that you say you will see these plans come to pass as long as I'm abiding in you and your word is abiding in me. Thank you, God. Come on, do that right now. And if there's something in your life that's keeping you out of fellowship with him, if there is sin, come on, tell him about it right now. Acknowledge, God, that stuff that you look at, Tell him that stuff that you look at is just causing you to fall down and to be disconnected with him. Those things that you're saying, that stuff that's putting, being put into your body, come on, confess those things and get right with God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just take a, a personal time of privacy. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as I just ask you to take a, a, a second for privacy. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Tonight's your night. Just simply say yes to Jesus to get connected with God. We want to give that opportunity every week at Refinery so that you can invite your friends who need to know Jesus so they can make that decision. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and you want to do that tonight, just simply lift your hand. Say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Will you pray with me, Pastor Kelly? Just wave at me and I will pray with you right now. Say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Just wave at me right now. God in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you died on a cross 
You shed your blood so that we could know eternal life. You paid the price for my sin so that I don't have to pay that price. I receive that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.